0: Thank you for tuning in to Avant Life's weekly podcast. We hope this message inspires you, stirs your faith, and leaves you blessed. Well, good morning. Glad that you're able to join us on this very Vancouver type of weather type of day. And uh, Pastor Ben did a great job of recapping, so I'm just going to just throw that out right now because that was amazing. Extra time. Yes, Holy Spirit. Okay. Well, last week anyways, uh, Pastor Jason um, talked about this idea of how our activity and service doesn't necessarily equal our proximity to Jesus. And he unpacked the narrative of these two sisters, Mary and Martha. And if you're not familiar with that story, there's these two sisters and they're hosting Jesus in their home. And one sister, Martha, is quite busy. Um, She's a little bit anxious. She's like cleaning up the place. She's getting the dishes ready. She's like probably making some like fresh croissants just to serve Jesus, and there's lots going on. She's a little bit busy while her sister is just chilling out. Mary is just sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to every word, and as Mary is sitting and chilling Martha is getting a little bit upset, a little bit frustrated to, to the point where she just calls her out and is like, Jesus, can you just tell my sister to like, help me with some of the things that I'm doing? Like, We're trying to host you. To which Jesus so kindly and compassionately and softly says, Martha, Martha, Mary is doing what is important sometimes we can get caught up in doing things for the kingdom and not even spend any time with the king. And so our activity and service does not necessarily equal our proximity to Jesus. How often do we, as followers of Jesus, often, you know, attend different church things and functions, but not necessarily spend any time with the Lord on our own time throughout the week through scripture, prayer, and fellowship? And so as we continue into part five of our current teaching series, Here Am I, Send Me, we're going to be talking about how our shame is overcome by proximity to Christ. And so our central teaching text that this entire series has been rooted in is found in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. So I'll read that for us this morning. It's titled Isaiah's Commission. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hands, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. And so in this passage of scripture, we're brought into this vision that the prophet Isaiah is experiencing. And we see this glimpse of God's inescapable holiness, splendor, and majesty. And so we see these like winged creatures called seraphim and they're like covering themselves with their wings because God's holiness is just so powerful. It's this scene where we're brought into the throne room of God. And this scene simply surmises that God's splendor and holiness is just magnificent. And we see this burning coal that one of the seraphim flies to the lips of Isaiah, these unclean lips of Isaiah and that simply represents the penalty of sin that will be paid for by the Son of God. And then Isaiah is then prompted with this question, whom shall I send and who will go for us? To which the prophet Isaiah responds, here am I, send me. And in the context here for Isaiah, God's people, the Israelites, have come to a point where if they continue to reject God, if they continue to rebel, they will be met with judgment. And so Isaiah's response represents a remnant people That will respond to God's holy will. And so our prayer for this series, Here Am I, Send Me, is that as sons and daughters of the living God, we would fearlessly say, Here I am, use us. Use us to further your kingdom. Use us in the face of adversity and opposition. We would remain true to God's will. And I think especially in a time where we're dealing with, like, cancel culture, individualism, subjective truth, and even the fact we can say we're a Christian and people are quite offended, like, there is, like, it, things are so crazy these days. There's, there, there, it's so tumultuous that we need the Holy Spirit now more than ever. And so today we'll be unpacking Peter's denial and reinstatement, where Peter's shame is overcome by his proximity to Christ. And so again, my hope for us as we kind of look at this narrative today is that if we're carrying any shame or insecurity or doubt or guilt, we would leave that at the foot of the cross today and take that same posture as the prophet Isaiah saying, here am I, send me. And so we're going to take a look at the first half of our story, which is Peter's denial, and we'll be looking at the Luke account of this. And it's actually found in all four Gospels. So we're looking at Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 54. Here's what it says Then, seizing him, they led him away, that being Jesus, and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down with them. And so here we see Jesus has just been arrested and all of the disciples have dispersed. They've pieced out, they've fled the scene, except for our man, Peter. If you're not familiar with who Peter is, I almost imagine him being like Dom Toretto from, like, The Fast and Furious. You know who I'm talking about? Vin Diesel. Um, Peter's kind of like the guy that lives his life a quarter mile at a time. Like, friend, he doesn't have friends. He has family okay that is who Peter is a little plug in for fast nine okay um, but that's who Peter is and a few verses earlier um, he was just uh, they were in the garden of Gethsemane and that's where the, the arrest of uh, Jesus happens and so the soldiers come in and Peter and we know this from John's gospel we know that he just pulls out his sword and just slices the ear of one of the soldiers like, Peter acts without thinking, right, because, like, his, his Messiah, his Savior, his rabbi is being caught, and he just wants to retaliate, although he knows that's not what Jesus has been about, that's not what he's been teaching this entire time. And even before that, when they're gathered together for their last supper, Jesus is kind of telling the disciples the foreshadowing of his coming death. To which Peter is like, you know what, I'm with you, I'm following you, I'm with you till, till prison, to till death, to whatever it is. And that's where Jesus actually around that table foreshadows Peter's future denial. And so we know Peter is passionate, Peter is bold, seems like Peter is quite fearless in the face of opposition. But here we see a very different Peter. And so a bit of context, it's late into the night. Jesus is now in custody, waiting for his trial uh, before the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin is simply a, a group of Jewish elders that represented the Jewish authority. And so, again, after Jesus is arrested, there are no disciples in sight except for Peter. And up till this point, Peter has been quite confident, quite bold, quite rash, but um, our gospel writers include these details that he follows at a distance, far enough to not be associated with Jesus, but close enough to see where they're be, where they're taking Jesus, where Jesus is being held. And so our narrative continues with Peter pulling up to this little fire with a few people, and uh, our, our our narrative continues in verse fifty six. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. And Luke, which is the gospel writer here, he records very subtle details in his narrative. Luke literally notes the passing of time in between each interaction, between each denial, these denials didn't happen back to back. There was a good amount of time in between each interaction. And even after that second one, Luke notes a whole hour has passed by, which means there was considerable time for Peter to reflect and think about the decisions he's made, about the things that he has said. When I first um, got hired at Citizens Church with the Eliasins, um I realized four things specifically about Pastor Jason. He loves God, loves his family, he loves hunting, and he loves the office. Um, I never had really watched the office beforehand, and as their new associate pastors, like, I got to figure out, you know, maybe I can jump into some of these inside jokes that, you know, everyone's having. And so, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch this. Um, I didn't really know what it was about. I just, I knew about The Office, right, but I never had really watched it, and so I I watched the first episode, and if you're familiar with The Office, it's very specific humor, and uh, I watched the first episode, and I didn't know what to think, but before I knew it, the second episode was playing, because there's that autoplay feature by Netflix, Five Seconds, and the next episode plays. So it doesn't really give you any time to think, right? You're just stuck in this vicious algorithm. Netflix is really smart. And all of a sudden I'm in season three loving my life because I'm like, I love every character on this show. I'm rooting for Jim and Pam, like I'm invested. And I can now fully say this statement um, because I would hear it, but I would never understand what the reference was, but bears beats Battlestar Galactica. All I'm saying is when we watch Netflix, there isn't enough time to decide if we want to keep watching or not because the next episode simply plays. But that's not the case here with Peter. There is a lot of time for him to think through the things that he has just said. He has has renounced any association with Christ and time has passed by. He's still around this fire, and another person comes and he denies, and then he denies for a total of three times. He's very cognitive, he is very aware of what he's done. What's also interesting is that Luke captures the increase of severity with each denial. In Peter's first denial, he renounces any association or knowledge of who Jesus is. In his second denial, he renounces any association with the disciples, thus kind of renouncing his association with the body of Christ. And in his third denial, he renou- like he's, he's kind of called out from being a Galilean, so he must have had an accent that gave him away. But by renouncing that, he's almost like renouncing that first interaction that Peter first had when he first met Jesus. On the shore as he's a fisherman and it is actually jesus who gave him his new name peter because his birth name was simon and as simon makes this decision to to follow jesus and give his life in servitude to him he is renamed peter which means stone and so in this moment after the third denial the rooster crows And wherever Jesus was, he was prophetically aware of what was going on. And he was clearly, and this is very um, specific to Luke's gospel, he was near enough to be in eyesight of Peter, to which he looked straight at Peter. And it's this moment of realization that Peter realized what happened and what Jesus had said just days ago has come to fruition. And so the effect on Peter is shattering, Everything, every part of Peter's new identity, his redeemed identity in Christ, has now been thrown away. Have you ever been in a situation where you've backed down from your faith, and you've been aware and you feel that shame and guilt, or perhaps you've um, been in moments where you've become uh, been um, experienced anxiety and fear? just out of what maybe coworkers or friends or family would think if they actually realized you were actually a devout follower of Jesus. And so after Peter's threefold denial here and moment of realization, Luke and all the other gospel authors record that Peter breaks down and he weeps bitterly. And this is the same Peter to whom Jesus says, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Can you imagine how Peter would have been feeling in that moment? Peter had given the last three years of his life to Jesus. Peter had left his livelihood, his occupation, and career of being a fisherman to follow Jesus, Peter had given his entire life and his future to Jesus. And here Peter throws it all away on this night. And I think what is more heartbreaking is this is is Peter's last interaction with Jesus before he is crucified. Can you imagine the shame and guilt that Peter must have felt in that moment as he is weeping as he is filled with sorrow if this isn't rock bottom i'm not sure what is how many of us have felt or can just just feel the emotions that peter is going through in this moment when we do things that grieve the heart of god we're filled with sorrow we're filled with shame and guilt And that's the issue with the human heart, is it not? That is our human nature. That is our sinful nature. We have this natural proclivity to sin. We're broken people. We can't help but mess up. We can't help but hurt people around us. That's just part of our human nature. Are there any uh, only childs in the house here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's a few of us. We'll just hang out, have a small group after this. Um, I'm an only child and uh hashtag spoiled life. And um, I, uh, I don't, I think I was an okay child. I, I know I did a few things that were not great. Actually, I wasn't a great child, but um, <laughs> I had this very distinct memory. Um, my mother wouldn't allow me to be in the kitchen. And I remember we were in a townhouse. It was a little bit smaller. And our kitchen was specifically quite narrow. Um, it's kind of like this L shape. And, uh, when she would be cooking, um, I wasn't allowed in there. Uh, but I went in because, uh, that's what I do. And so, um, you know, I'm in there and, uh, she's cooking and she's getting mad. And I'm like, you know, whatever, playing with Lego or whatever, you know, kids do. And, um, I was specifically told not to get close to the oven as well, and so she would be cooking, you know, making, uh, you know, some fried rice or whatever the case is, with the spam. You know, we we love the spam, and so you know we're cooking, and then she would take the pan off, and then I would see the glowing of the red red rings on our stovetop, and I knew that I shouldn't get near it, but there was something in me that just wanted to draw close. And then I would get close and I would feel the heat radiating from these rings. The bright neon glow. I'd put my hand and kind of feel the heat. And I would get as close as I could before my mom realized what her nine-year-old son was doing. And I knew that if I did touch it, I knew something would happen. Something bad. Yet I still did it. Then all of a sudden there's like a slipper coming my way and hits me in the face. Whatever the case is. But that pretty much sums up what our sinful nature is. It's kind of like gravity. I might try to stay in the air, but gravity pulls me down, and that's sin's hold on our life. We can't help but mess up. I even think of when Adam and Eve first sinned. What was their first response? To hide and run away. But what is God's response to Adam and Eve? He looks for them in the garden and asks, Where are? are you. And this is why Jesus the son of God steps into humanity to bridge the gap that sin had created to restore us back into living relationship with the living God. And that's the beautiful thing about the God that we serve, the God that we that we sing about, the God that we worship is he's a God of redemption and he's a God of reconciliation. And so after Christ's death and resurrection, we see this beautiful interaction with the resurrected Jesus and Peter. And so we're going to hop into John's gospel, chapter 21, starting in verse 15. This is where Jesus reinstates Peter. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And down in verse 19, Jesus responds to Peter, follow me, And so after the resurrection of Jesus, Peter had gone back to his old life, his old career of being a fisherman. He goes back to his hometown and he is fishing here in the Sea of Galilee. And what's really important to understand is that this isn't Peter's first interaction with the resurrected Jesus. Like he has already been with Jesus. He has already seen, he has already been in conversation with Jesus just a chapter before. We see it in John chapter 20 when the disciples and Peter, they're in this locked room out of fear uh, you know, of the Pharisees and Jewish leaders and Jesus appears to them. He has been with the resurrected Jesus, yet he still goes back to his old life of fishing. Why is that? How could Peter, who has spent The last three years of his life, he has seen the teachings of Jesus. He has seen the healings. He has seen the dead raised. And he has seen the resurrected Messiah, yet he still goes back to his old life. Why is that? I think it was because of the shame and guilt that he was still carrying from his denial of Jesus. Peter probably felt like he was no longer qualified to follow Jesus, let alone serve him. He had denied his Lord, his rabbi, his Messiah, three times with clear intent. He felt disqualified. And so leading up to this moment that we just read, Peter and, you know, the disciples there fishing, having a hard time. It's quite early in the morning as uh, the gospel records. And so Jesus reveals himself, but yet they don't recognize him. That's just something that the resurrected Jesus did. He's just like messing with people. And so early in the morning, Jesus helps them catch a huge haul of fish, 153 to be exact. And I I love how the gospels just like capture really random details, and that's actually further confirmation. These are eyewitness accounts. And so anyways, they're now all eating together. They're eating around a fire that Jesus had prepared as they were bringing the fishes back into shore. And Jesus addresses Peter by his old name, Simon. Why? Why does Jesus address Peter as Simon? Well, I think Jesus probably calls him Simon to contrast the distinction and difference between his old life that he has now stepped back in to what his new called and commissioned life of Peter is. And so in his denial of Jesus, Peter has not lived up to his Christian name, Peter, which means stone, right? To which Jesus says, you know, um, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And in John's gospel, John makes a very detailed note of this kind of narrative of Peter's denial and reinstatement. And so in verse 9, Joel, Joel, we're not talking about Joel, we're talking about John. John records the detail that it was specifically a charcoal fire that Jesus prepares as Peter and the disciples come in with their fish. It was a charcoal fire. And interestingly enough, earlier, specific to John's gospel, in Peter's not remember as Peter pulls up and you know sits down at this fire. As he denies Jesus three times. In John's account, John records that it was also a charcoal fire to which Peter denies Jesus. Why the details, John? Why is it so important to record the type of fire that Peter was around? And, worship team, you can make your way up as we begin to conclude. The reason is Peter has been stuck. In this moment and Jesus doesn't want Peter stuck in this moment in this memory of denial around a charcoal fire which is why Jesus makes a new memory around a charcoal fire Jesus knew what was going on in Peter's life Jesus knew where to meet Peter Jesus knew his shame, guilt, and regret was going to bring him back to his old life. And where does Jesus show up? On the shores of Galilee. Three times Peter had denied Jesus around this charcoal fire. And three times Jesus prompts Peter with the question, do you love me? And three times Peter responds, I love you. Jesus replaces this painful memory in Jesus' life with a new memory of love and affirmation. And this is a picture of what Jesus is doing in our lives. Jesus shows up in those places of sin and hurt and pain in our lives and he, he replaces those charcoal moments in our life with the cross that our shame and our guilt and our mistakes and pain no longer keep us away from the love of God. Those moments of shame, pain, and regret no longer prevent us from stepping into a relationship full of God's love, grace, mercy. God's heart for you and for me is that whenever we look back on on those charcoal fire moments, we wouldn't feel that shame and regret. That we would just know God's immense love for us. Our shame doesn't disqualify us from proximity with Christ. And when we think of evangelism and this entire teaching series that we're in, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And the beautiful thing as sons and daughters of the Most High is that we share in that collective calling. We are all called to make disciples. And it's by God's grace, as we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can do all things in Christ. And what's really beautiful is that we see Peter in the following book in Acts chapter 2, we see Peter full of the Holy Spirit and he preaches a message and 3,000 people are saved. And just several days, weeks before this, he has just renounced any association of Jesus but that's the character of the God that we serve and follow and love. And I know that there's a lot of us here where we completely disqualify us from following and partnering in God's mission. Whether it's because we feel inadequate, we feel like we're not good enough, or maybe it's shame and guilt that we're carrying from the past. Jer, if you only knew what I did last week, if people knew how broken my marriage was, if people knew blank, But Here's the thing, God already knows and he still wants to be in your life. He still wants to be the Lord of your life and he wants to use you to further his kingdom. And we see it in the life of Peter. Someone who intently and quite viciously renounces any association with Jesus. What does the resurrected Jesus do? He meets Peter where he knew he would be. He makes the same charcoal fire and tells him he loves him. And that's what Jesus wants to be doing in our lives. And so in that moment, Jesus reestablishes God's call and commission over his life, which is discipleship. Our shame doesn't disqualify us from close proximity to God. And as we conclude our time together and take some time to create some space for the Holy Spirit to minister to our lives, because I know even including myself, we need to leave some of these things that we're carrying on to at the foot of the cross and fully accept and fully step into all that God has for us. If you've grown up in church or been around church for any amount of time, I believe uh, this specific parable that I'm going to read is going to be a little bit familiar to you. And it's so simple, but it captures God's heart for us. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep, until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Friends, we are that lost sheep. And regardless of the negativity that we've carried into this room, whatever that burden is on our shoulders, Jesus says, Jesus says, Leave that with me. Your sin is paid for. Your debt is atoned. Join me into, this, in, into a living relationship with the living God. And perhaps you've never made that decision, or maybe it's been a long time. Maybe it's been a while since you've been in church. Just know that Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart, and he'll always be there waiting. He is there with you, and he is for you. so with all heads bowed and all eyes closed just out of respect to the person next to you and this is between you and God maybe you're here and you've, you've stepped into this building with hurt with shame and regret if that's you you don't have to do anything you don't have to stand up or anything like that but just know that in this moment the Lord is here the Holy Spirit is moving And if you want to make that decision to recommit your life to the Lord, all you have to do is invite him in and know that this is the best decision you could ever make. And often we need to recommit our lives. So I would encourage you, before your head hits the pillow tonight, to let someone know about the incredible decision that you've made today Of either accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior or or rededicating your life. And so, Holy Spirit, Lord, we invite you into this space as we respond together. I pray as the team, as they sing, I pray these lyrics would carry your anointing. Would you speak to our heart, our mind? Would we be reminded of the immense love that you have for us, Lord, and regardless of the sin, shame, hurt, and pain that we've carried into this space today, Lord, that can be left at the foot of the cross. May we be reminded of your deep love for us. Lord, we give you all honor, glory, and praise because you are worthy of it all. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. We would love you to subscribe to our weekly podcast. Other ways you can connect with Avant Life is through YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out our website at avantlifechurch.com.